jumping into a new, new sermon series this morning. Steve closed out um, <clears throat> our uh, House of Prayer series, and now we are jumping into what we're going to call the fivefold ministry, okay? You may hear us talk about this a lot. This may be like a tenth time you've heard us talk about this. We've given trainings about this. If you've been a calling lab, you've heard about fivefold, fivefold gifts. You may have even heard us refer to it as APEST, A-P-E-S-T. Um, and we'll tell you why in a second. It's an acrostic. Um, but let me just say, this has been so foundational for us in life and ministry over, in the, over the last 15 years. Um, in this community, learning this somewhere along the way, I think College of Prayer had something to do with that and, and other places, learning about the fivefold gifts or the fivefold ministry that we find in Ephesians chapter 4. So if you're, if you're looking to where we're going today, we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4, but I'm not jumping in just yet. Um, but this has been so important for how we interact with each other and how ministry and mission gets done and how we understand each other. And so we're going to give this a good long run. So I'm giving you the overview this morning. And I'm going to try to um, set up some context and give you kind of the big picture. And there's a lot that could be said. Um, so we're going to take a lot of time to, to say it. So the five gifts are, if um, no, we won't make it a quiz. So apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds or pastors, you can use either word. They mean the same thing. And then teachers, okay? So we're going to have a sermon on each one of those after this week. And then... We're going to have a couple sermons that are going to be like panel discussions, talking about team dynamics and conflict and how you work together, because this is really important. So it's going to be great. And then Steve's going to close us out at the beginning of September. This is going to be the rest of our summer with um, kind of giving us the, the back end summary and, um, and, and finishing it out. So let's give you a little bit of context about where we're landing this morning in Ephesians. All right. So Paul uh, spends two years of his ministry in Ephesians. You can read it in Acts chapter 19, okay? So you can do that on your own. But he has a really fruitful missionary presence in the city of Ephesus for two years, and a lot of people come to follow Jesus. So now we are years later, and Paul is writing this letter to the church from prison. So there's a church that's grown up here as the gospel is planted, and Paul is writing them. And kind of the division of Ephesians, it's pretty easy. You got chapters one through three are all about the gospel message. Like Steve was quoting some of that this morning as we were closing worship. Like some of the most beautiful lyrical um, prayers and hymns even of like uh, just what God has done in our lives. And we're going to reference some of that. But Paul's writing, you, you should go home. It, this would be a really cool activity. Go home and read Ephesians all the way through. We usually don't read whole books of the Bible together, which I think is sad. Like we read a bit here or a bit there, but read the whole letter of Ephesians sometimes and you will be encouraged. Um, so, and then we get here to Ephesians chapter four and Paul like flips over to how this gospel message about Jesus should impact all of our lives, how we live it out, how it sinks in and then just gets displayed in our lives um, as a body, as a family, um, and as individuals, um, as we're following Jesus. So he's summarizing the whole gospel story and how it should reshape our story. So would you turn with me this morning 
to Ephesians chapter 4. You can use your Bible or a device. We're going to be reading out of the NIV, but, but it'll, and that'll be on the screen, but you can read whatever you want. All right. Sorry, I had a um, cough drop in there. I hope that wasn't distracting, but it's not good to keep going that way. All right. So, all right. I'm going to give you a little running commentary as we read through this. So we're not going to stand and we're not just going to read all the way through because I don't want you to check out on me. So 16 verses. So here we go. Pay attention. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Uh, Other translations start with therefore at the beginning of this verse instead of this then kind of word. Um, And you're always supposed to ask, what's the therefore, therefore, right? Ever heard that? What's... So the therefore is therefore because he's saying, here's all the gospel message. Now here's how you're going to live, okay? Verse two, be completely humble and gentle. Wow, completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Now, if somebody uh, can uh, pay attention here through verses four through six, if I had a prize, I would give it to you. If you can figure out what's the key word here, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. What's our key word? There's actually kind of two of them. Angelica, you get a prize. One. All right, the number one. All right, so Paul's emphasizing the unity here of the body, okay? So he's all about this. It's like seven times. One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father. Now, verse seven, but, okay, there's a little change here. So there's a unity, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it, okay? So there's a unity, but there's some differences here, like God's given us these different graces. This is why it says, and he's quoting here from Psalms, when he, Jesus, ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gave gifts to his people. So he's introducing this idea of these graces or these gifts that Jesus has given to his people. And now, if you like rabbit trails, Paul's going to go on a rabbit trail, okay? So here's his, it's even got parentheses in the Bible, which is good because it tells you, okay, Paul's kind of going down a little separate line here for a second. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So, you know, this is that great mystery. Okay. So Jesus comes down. What happens to Jesus those three days that he's in the tomb? Well, you know, there's this idea that he has descended into even the lower regions of death and hell and brought out the captives. Okay. And given gifts to his people. So Paul's just kind of on a rabbit trail. We're not going to focus on that this morning, but now he gets back to this story about God giving gifts and these graces that are on our lives. In verse 11, he says, and here's the bulk of the fivefold um, uh, uh, verses that we'll be focusing in on for this series. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. 
So God has given these gifts to the church for these, all these reasons, equipping, maturity, unity, knowledge, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We're going to jump into that in a minute. But let's finish this section. Verse 14, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined just get this picture. Like imagine this picture in your head. We got Christ at the head. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So good. So rich. There's like, you could preach a whole series on um, all of this and be here forever. Um, But what's the point of all of this versus Chapter 4, verses 1 through 16, if we had to give this an overarching uh, idea, it's all about the body of Christ working together to demonstrate Christ, okay? It's all about the unity, but not uniformity, right? So unity and diversity, we all show this off in different ways. It's all about building up the body Um, not only for each other, but for works of service, it says. So it's the in and the out that we talk about, up in and out. I mean, it's all how we give glory and demonstrate Jesus um, to the people around us. So how are we going to do this? Now, we're going to jump into the fivefold in just a second. Um, But you may know, you may have been around for a minute, maybe you haven't, that in the Bible, there are, is, is uh, several times that it talks about spiritual gifts, okay? We actually have different lists, and some of them overlap with each other, and some of them are completely different. Um, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this uh, too much, but I want us to operate from a couple foundational things. First of all, we believe that every believer, when they come to follow Jesus— that they are given these spiritual gifts, okay? That we receive spiritual gifts from God to use to build up the body. We also believe that all the gifts are still active today, okay? Um, We believe that all of this was for the church forever until Jesus comes back. And actually, we probably will still be operating in these gifts um, for eternity, forever, and ever. Um, And so there is some slight differences from some of these gifts, okay? So in Romans 12, there's a list of gifts. And a lot of times these get called the motivational gifts. And the Greek word here is charisma. It means like a grace, like a gift, a present that God gave you um, to utilize and to, um, and to live it out as you serve the body. So it might be mercy or it might be um, prophecy or it might be um, uh, giving or it, there's all kinds of gifts, service, leadership. This is something that God has given you as a present to use with the body. There's also a list in 1 Corinthians 12, and these are often referred to as manifestation gifts. And the reason is because the word here is, also, is actually the word for manifestation in Greek is phanerosis. And it's like the Holy Spirit 
has given you this gift in this moment to manifest something about Jesus um, right now. And, and, and this, the difference between these two, often we talk about motivational gifts or gifts that you have probably for your lifetime, but manifestation gifts are gifts that just come in a moment when the Holy Spirit wants to do that thing in that moment. And you may experience a lot of these gifts. These are things like words of wisdom or words of knowledge or prophecy or healing um, tongues, the interpretation of tongues. These are the manifestation gifts that can come on any follower of Jesus at any time, according to the Holy Spirit. Now we get to Ephesians 4, and there's a little, there's a little difference here. Because instead of this list being gifts that we receive, actually, we are the gift to the body for this gift. Okay, so if you look again if you could put that uh, verses 11 through 13 up there, I think I have it in the right order. You see that it says, so Christ himself gave the apostles. He gave the prophets. He gave the evangelists. He gave the pastors and the teachers. So instead of giving the gift of apostle or the gift of prophecy, he's giving the person. We actually get to be the gift to the body. And Christ is working this grace out in our lives so that we are a present to the body, so to speak, that we get to contribute something to the body um, based on who we are. And, and, you know, there's, who knows how this works, but I think this really is at our core, who we are and who we will be for all eternity. Like, I think Everybody, I think everyone in this room, this, you, there's people that argue about this, so you can go whichever way you want. Some people see this as just there's a few leaders in the church, and those are these people. But I actually think that God has, has given these gifts to all of that we are one of these gifts. That, that all of us, as the priesthood of all believers, that we exercise this gift in the body. Um, and sometimes... You know, we do this in Calling Lab. If you've been through Calling Lab, you're probably a little bit of a snowflake, right? Everybody's, everybody's a snowflake. They're a beautiful little picture, uh, you know, unique, uh, very different from each other. So you're probably a combination of, uh, of one or two of these. Um, like as we get into these, I can tell you that I function mostly as a teacher, but I have a little bit of the apostle in me so I can like hang with some of my apostle people who are out there doing crazy stuff. So... Um, you're probably a little bit of a mix, but, but here's the other idea. These are not like offices or titles. Like, it's not like we have an, a, one apostle for our church and one prophet for our church, and we give them that title, and then that's who that is. Actually, they're, they're ministries that all of us get to live into, okay? They're actual functions. We, we have, in this room, we have several apostles, several pastors, several evangelists, teachers, and prophets, and, and the beauty is when God activates all of those, like it says in verse, um, in, in verse 16, that each part does its work. Um, that's when you get to the good stuff. So let me give you an overview of the five gifts. Now we're going to have a sermon on each one of these, so I'm not going to take long on this. Um, but bend your ear and listen for a second. Think of who you know who's like this maybe. Think about the one that you maybe think, oh, that kind of sounds like me. And you'll get to hear more about this as we go. So first in the list is apostles. 
These are literally in the Greek, it means the sent ones, okay? So in the Bible, you can think of the 12 apostles, obviously, but you can also think of somebody like Paul, who is out there pioneering into new places. He's a missionary, a church planter. Um, he is on the frontier going out um, to, to see what God has next. And there's a question associated with each of these that I'm going to mention this morning. The apostles are saying, like, where are we going? What's next? Okay, they're always looking for that new frontier. All right, then you have the prophets. These are the messengers. And the Bible is full of, you know, prophets. We got them, uh, most, you know, a lot in the Old Testament, we identify the prophets. And a lot of times I used to think this was all about like people telling the future, like end times, revelation kind of stuff. But actually most of prophecy is just telling what God is saying right now to his people. It's forth telling um, instead of foretelling. So it's like, what's God saying to the church? What's God saying to the people of Israel in the Bible? Um, and there's a heavy emphasis for these people on being in God's presence. Everything is based on hearing from God. So their question is, what is God saying? What's he saying right now? The evangelists are the gospel proclaimers, okay? In the Bible, there's people like Philip, who's called an evangelist, who God like sends out to, to, to tell the Ethiopian eunuch along the way, and then he's sent to Samaria. He's everywhere he's going, he's telling people about the gospel message. Obviously, Paul is doing this really well at like Athens um, in Acts 17, I believe. Um, these people, Jesus is always on their lips. And they are always asking, what about the lost? What about the people who haven't heard? What about the people in our neighborhoods who need the message of the gospel? These are our evangelists. Now there's shepherds. And this is often associated with the word pastor. And a lot of times this is the only word we use, but actually, you know, our pastors in churches all over are, are any one of these gifts. But the shepherds are known for being these empathetic caregivers, okay? They are, the, in biblical example, you can think of Barnabas who was known for his encouragement and also how he included Paul in the group, you know? He's like, come on, I'm gonna nurture you. I'm gonna protect you. He stood up for John Mark when Paul wanted to split, you know? They are oftentimes that like safe person that people are able to open up to or they are always asking the question, how is the body of Christ doing? How are they feeling? Are they okay? Are we, are, you know, are they coming along? Is everybody feeling all right? So those are the shepherds. And lastly, you have the teachers. And I like to think of teachers as like the dot connectors, okay? They're like helping people connect dots. They're helping people to understand, um, to get on board and to understand what God is really saying and how they can live it out. The Bible is full of teachers. You have Solomon in the Proverbs who's teaching. You have James with like his very practical book. Um, and in the Hebrew model of teaching, it's not just for the head, but it's for the hands and the heart as well. So the teachers are always asking, do the people understand? Do they get it? Okay. So I feel like um, as I was preparing for this, you know, I felt like there's a lot of information here and I'm more of a teacher kind of person, but I don't just want to give you information this morning. So I want to speak to our hearts as well. And here's what I think is the point of all of this. So the, the, I, I've, already, I've already given you some hint at this, but here's, we like to talk about good news, good news for our bad news. Here's the good news for us in the fivefold today. Um, first off is that God has a calling for your life, okay? So he has made you on purpose with a purpose, 
All right, so if you've come in here thinking, I don't really know what I'm supposed to be doing, or I don't know where I fit in, or I don't know what God has for me, the good news is that God has a calling for your life. Now, Paul starts off, go, uh, if you look back in, in the first verse of chapter four, he says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. So what is he talking about? Like he's, this is, this is that right after that, therefore. So think back with me to Ephesians one through three. I already told you it's this beautiful message of the gospel. It's a beautiful picture of what God has called us out of and what he has called us to. So I like just very quickly, I went through chapters one and three and listen to this. This is the calling that we have all received. Okay. He invert in chapter one, verse five, he called us out of orphanhood into family. In chapter 1, 18, he called us out of darkness into hope. In the same verse, he called us out of poverty into the riches of his inheritance. In 2, verses 1 through 5, he called us out of death into life, out of slavery to sin, into spirit-filled obedience. In 2, 8, he called us out of works into grace. In 2, 15, he called us out of division into one new humanity. And in 2, 19, he called us out of loneliness and into his household. And then in chapter three, right before we get to this, okay, this isn't on the screen. I want, I want you to, to like imagine that you're in the church of Ephesus right now and somebody is reading to you Paul's letter. Listen to these words from like the guy who brought you the gospel, who first told you about Jesus. Listen to his prayer for these people. For this reason, in verse 14 of chapter three, I kneel before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how high I'm sorry, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love, to know, that means to experience, encounter this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. What a calling. What a love that we've entered into. What a relationship that we've been able to be adopted into. This is what Paul is talking about, to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. He has invited you into his story. He's called you for a purpose and he's even made you the way that you are for a reason. He's made you care about the things that you care about. He's made you good at what he's made you good at. He's made you think about the things that you think about for a reason. I feel like this is like a Clarence Rossi favorite, but in chapter two, verse 10, he, it, <clears throat> there's this verse that speaks of this. He says, for we are God's handiwork. You could insert the word masterpiece, okay? Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, 
which God prepared in advance for us to do. So he's prepared things. He's prepared who you are and the part that you are to play. And he's made you a gift to the family of God to bring something unique to the body, to the team, to the family that he's put you on. All right, so that's the first bit of good news. He has a calling for your life. Uh, The second bit of good news is that he has a team for you to play on, okay? He has a team for you to play on. Now, when you think about this, in the traditional church setting, sometimes we get this mixed up and there's like only one team that gets to play. Sometimes it's sad there's only like one person that gets to play because of the way that we just let a charismatic leader just kind of do whatever and we just follow along. But here's, here's the good news. We don't have that view in this room. We say that everybody gets to play, which is a good thing. And we have this wide um, kind of level idea of leadership. And in this room, there are a lot of teams. There's a lot of teams in God's kingdom. That can look a lot of different ways. And actually, we need all the teams to reach all the people. And we need all the people to play their part on the team um, to reach all the people. What do I mean by that? So I mean by that, that in a place like this, you guys have been tracking with us for a while. We talk about how, um, we talk about some of the ministries here at the tab, but we also talk about some of the ministries in our community. Oftentimes in a church setting, it's kind of like a few people at the top telling you how you get plugged into their machine. Well, here our idea is actually you have a calling on your life and we want to release you into the world to live out that calling. We want, as leaders, we want to go low and actually serve you to where God has for you to live out this calling in the world. And so that's why we've created things like the Greenhouse Lab and the network because there is a lot of ministry and mission going on in our neighborhoods that we don't even get to like see on a Sunday morning here, okay? Like it's, it's crossing churches, it's crossing communities, it's zip, different zip codes. There's a lot of teams out there and God has a team for all of us to play on. Now, if you think about teams, um, I was thinking about this in relation to, you know, this is perfect. You got five-fold gifts, right? So you got basketball has how many guys or women on the court at the same time? Five, okay. So any basketball fans? few. All right. Devante, don't be shy. Get that hand up there. I was thinking about you when I was doing this. So Devante likes the NBA. I kind of prefer college basketball. So let's, let's just decide this for once and for all. NBA fans, raise your hand. Okay. All right. College basketball fans, raise your hand. Okay. I I mean, I think it was probably like 60, uh, 60, 60, like two thirds college. All right. Sorry. So I prefer college because I feel like they work together a whole lot more than they do in the NBA. Now, the Nuggets played a different style of basketball. They won the NBA championship, I feel like, because they, like, they, like, work together a little bit more. But, like, I cannot stand turning on the NBA, and they just, like, isolate one guy who's the best player on the court, and he just does his thing, and then they win the game because that one dude shot 57 times, and he scored 45 points. Like, I hate that. Like, I want to see the team working together. So, I'm sorry 
to NBA fans, but I prefer the college thing because of my point. Here's the deal. We need all of the gifts working together. We need some people rebounding. We need some people uh, blocking some shots. We need some people penetrating and dishing and finding the open man. We need some pick and roll. We need, we need all of it, okay? So, like, I, um, and, and as it relates to these gifts, here's the deal. We are missing something if we don't have all of them in the mix, all right? And I'm not going to jump into, like, all of, all of that. But if we, don't have, if we don't have shepherds among us, we're missing, like, caring for the body. But at the same time, if we don't have some apostles leading the way, then we're missing all the mission that God has for us. We're just kind of insular and caring about ourselves, and we're missing all that's going on out there. And if we don't have the, prof- the prophets hearing from God, then we're just sort of building our own kingdom. We're doing our own thing the best that we can, but we're not hearing from Jesus on it. And we've got to have all of these pieces, all right? I, I left out evangelists and teachers there, but you get the idea. We've got to have all of them working together because if we don't, we're missing something. And if we get too heavy in one or the other, then, then we're, we're going to be lopsided, okay? And, and this has been so important for us over the years because if you are a prophet— you tend to care about hearing the voice of God, and that is the most important thing to you. But then you run up against an evangelist, and they're like, quit sitting in the prayer room. Let's get out on the streets. We got to do something. We got to get out here, okay? So we've, you, you get all of this conflict. That's why we're going to have a whole thing on conflict, because if you don't understand, like, who you are and what you care about, but that you need this person and what they care about and this person and what they care about. If you don't get that, then you're going to think, man, people just don't get it. They don't get it. This is what we need to care about. They don't understand. But actually, we need all of these things at play. And I'm going to tell you why in just a second. But before I do that, how do they work together? Look at Paul several times in chapter four, verses two and three, he says this, listen, this is about us working together. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Look later on at the end of the chapter in 15 and 16. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Sorry, I didn't, I'm not, I'm not uh, keeping them. So that's my fault. All right. So let me say that again. It grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. The only way that, that we get the five of these working together and that we work through all the conflict that will come, because there will be conflict, is love. And there's two really key things that I want. We talk about this all the time. Two outworkings of that love are mutual submission and humility. Okay, he says those, he says that word humility up in the, uh, the beginning of the chapter. But the only way this happens is if we can come to each other with humility, knowing we have a piece of the puzzle, but we don't have the whole puzzle. And when we do that, we can submit to each other. When we see, oh, I'm missing this and you're bringing that, well then like, yes, let's do that. And you have this idea over here, and it's in line with your gifting and what God is saying to you. Well, yes, we can submit to each other, and we 
can show that off as well. And here's the deal. Here is why. And this was the, the, uh, the theme of like what I mentioned earlier, our worship and our time together. The whole reason for all of this, first off, God has a calling for your life and he has a team for you to play on. But lastly, it is because we want to put Jesus on full display. All right, that's the point of all of it. Verse, verse 13 at the, um, <clears throat> says, says until we, uh, attaining, the last part of verse 13, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The whole reason we need all of these gifts working together, that we have to submit and love each other and that we need each part is because it's the only way we attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You, anybody have a guess at what Jesus was? In the, if Jesus was in the fivefold gifts, what's Jesus? All five, all right? All right, some people have been in this training before, all right? The secret is that Jesus was all five. Listen, he was the chief apostle sent from heaven, the sent one from heaven to earth. He was the locked in prophet who only did what he saw his father doing. He was the premier evangelist who knew how to speak life to the heart of every individual. He was the good shepherd who looked on the sheep with compassion. And he was the rabbi teacher who showed us what the kingdom of God was like. There is no way for us to display all these facets of Jesus by ourselves. That's not how it was meant to work. The church needs all of these gifts working together to give the best picture of Jesus. One of the greatest apologetics, that's a fancy word for like reasons to believe, okay? One of the greatest apologetics for people to believe in God is to see a group of people who may not have any earthly reason to be together, but to see them love each other, to serve alongside each other, to care for one another, to, to submit to one another, uh, to be humble together, to do all the stuff a good family does together. That is what a world will look at and see a picture that they've never seen before. They will see a picture of Jesus that is way more complete than any one that we could give them on our own. So let's finish this out with just a little bit of practical stuff. As we jump into this sermon series, okay, I want you to pay attention, all right? I want you to pay attention to what sounds like you, okay? When you hear the sermons on the fivefold, um, what, what sounds like me? What have people said about me? What do I see confirmed by God's word to me and to my story? And then, as you start to, to unpack that and kind of look, oh, you know, maybe I am an evangelist. Maybe, maybe I am an apostle. Well, then begin to ask yourself the question, am I being this gift to the body in any way? All right. And I'm not talking about like all kinds of big ways. Like some, there's like small ways, there's big ways, there's relationships, there's ministry teams, there's all kinds of ways that we can be this gift to the body. So start to ask, am I doing that? Like, I don't need a title, right? I don't need like, I don't have to be church staff. I don't 
need a position. This isn't an office. It's about the ministry that I'm living out, the function. Am I functioning as an evangelist? Am I functioning as a teacher? And where can I, the next question is, where can I be put to work? Where can I do my part? Is it in the relationships that God has given around me? Um, Is it in a missional community setting? This is one of the reasons why we really love missional communities, because they are like little families within the bigger family. And um, in any room like this, there's no way that we could all be a leadership team for the whole tab, right? But there are ways that there are, like I said before, there's all these teams in the room. And, and missional communities, the idea is not like a solo leader. The idea is that there is a ministry team. And the reason behind that is because we need all of these gifts at work in every unit, in every team. So we love for missional communities to, to know who does this in their group and who does this in their group and who's bringing this. Um, <clears throat> so where can you be put to work? Where can you serve the body? Maybe it's on a Sunday morning. Maybe it's with youth. Maybe it's with children. Uh, maybe it's in a nonprofit. Maybe it's in your workplace. I don't know what it is, but God has given you this gift and put you on a team. And so start to look for opportunities for activating that gift. And, and lastly, I would say, you know, th- we're all in different places in this. We're all coming to this in different stages of life, in different opportunities that God has given us. But the beautiful news, uh, the, 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 the beautiful piece of this story is that anywhere along the way, we can live into who God has made us. If you're just starting, you can learn from others who are doing, the, do, doing exactly where you feel like God has called you. Uh, you could volunteer in small ways. If you're on the other end of things and you are like seeing most of your ministry days are behind you and you are living in your older years, well, there are a lot of sons and daughters that need this stuff passed on to them um, that you can mentor and take under your wing and pass on the things that God has given you. And God cares about in in these stages of development, these levels of, of activation and maturity, God cares about all of you. And what I mean by that is he's going to work on the character as well as the competency, okay? Like somebody could be the best teacher in the world, but if they have no character to back it up, who's going to listen to them, okay? So God wants to develop these side by side. And sometimes he doesn't give us the role to live it out because our character isn't ready for it yet. Um, Sometimes he gives you the role and then you realize, wow, my character is not ready for that yet. Um, So God cares about all of you as he's preparing you and taking you through this. And and there is a biblical principle here that being faithful with a little, he will, you will get entrusted with more. So as you're faithful with what he's given you, as you're faithful with the little things that you step into, and that character comes along, faithfulness in that task, then God is going to give you more. Um, to be a part of. So as we wrap up today, Jake, can you come? This isn't super emotional. Um, so I don't need like, you know, super pretty, super pretty music, maybe just like the moderately pretty stuff. Um, but, <clears throat> but I do, I do, I, I want to call us 
to, to do this, okay? And Jeff, you can, Jeff Francona is gonna close this out. Speaking of like activating the body, this is the first time Jeff's closing out a service. So thank you, Jeff. So Jeff, feel free to take us in any direction you want. But my heart was, as we wrap up, as we're heading into this series, and I'm saying, take a look at this stuff. Why don't we just ask God to show us some of these things and just say, Lord, would you show us what your calling is for my life? Show us the purpose that you've made me for. Show me the team that you've put me on. And really here, you know, if this is all like completely new to you, um, you heard in Steve leading communion this morning, the gospel message coming through loud and clear. If this is new that like God cares about you enough to have a purpose for your life and that he's put you on a team um, and you don't know what that is yet and you don't really actually know Jesus um, yet and what his purpose is for you and who he is, um, then this is the place to start. Jesus, you know, what, I just want to know you. I want to know who you are and who you've made me. So let's, let's, um, let's just take a moment as we finish to just invite Jesus to speak um, into our lives, to speak who is he and who has he made us and what team has he put us on all so that we can put him on full display. Jesus, thank you. Jeff, you can come. Jesus, thank you. Lord, would you open our eyes? Lord, would you speak to us? We just submit to you, Jesus.